Artist Lee Running recently had an exhibition at St. Ambrose University. We sat down with her in the gallery to discuss her work and the potential for a permanent installation of glass decorations in Hayes Hall that we are fundraising for currently. Please enjoy our conversation with Lee Running. Talk about where you're at right now professionally. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm an artist, I'm a sculptor. And my work really happens at the intersection of the human and the natural world. Um, a lot of my sculpture um, uses the bones of roadkill deer as the primary material. So I collect deer from the verge, from the gutter, the ditch that's right next to the road. And um, I take the carcasses to restored prairies and then any elements of the animal that are missing uh, from the skeleton, from either the accident or from scavenger animals like vultures or raccoons. I repair the skeleton with glass. So I cast glass elements that, that match the bones. Um, and then I re-articulate them. I hang them from the ceiling on two legs so that they look like us, so that they feel, feel like us. And the other component of my work happens also with glass, but happens um, on windows. So I started this process in graduate school because I was hungry for space. And space is really a premium um, sometimes when you're in school. And space was a premium for sculptures, for sure. Um, and I figured out um, how I could apply wallpaper paste to windows to start to make images. Um, I moved to Iowa to train as a hand paper maker which is a very unusual, um, also very botanically driven field. Um, I learned, I moved here to tend a field of Japanese kozo um, that I then uh, harvested and cooked and beat by hand and made into sheets of paper. Um, so that was my graduate research. Yeah, as, so, as some, some of you might know, uh, University of Iowa has the preeminent scholar for papermaking, historian scholar for papermaking. And so lots of great papermakers have come out of there. Yeah. And we kind of tangentially rub up against that whole uh, tradition here, Ambrose being an hour away, but um, we go visit and see it, but yeah. Yeah. University of Iowa. So I, I moved here to be Tim Barrett's apprentice. Tim Barrett is the, is the papermaker there. And I've always been fascinated by paper, um, particularly because it can be translucent paper can almost be like skin in some ways. It can almost feel like parchment. And I didn't realize when I did my study abroad in, in undergrad, um, I studied abroad in Amsterdam, and I went there partially because they had the largest illuminated manuscript collection in Europe at the Rijksmuseum. And when I got there, the collection was... Um, being archived and so none of it was on display and I was so heartbroken I was like I'm only here for three months and all I want to do is see your manuscripts why can I not see them and, and, and by illuminated manuscripts we're talking very small books made on parchment by monks um, and all of the borders of these books were drawn with native botanicals and with gold and there was this idea with monks that they would make these books and carry these books of hours, which were hourly prayers, right? They would carry these books made on animal skin, often squirrels, 
local animals, <laughs> you know, and, um, and paint these local botanicals that often came from cloistered gardens, right? These gardens that would be inside the monastery. Um, so they would paint these very small botanicals in the in the borders, and then and then surround them with gold. And this was the idea that you would we literally surround these prayers with with light, which, like, come on, that's like the most beautiful thing ever. And so I was obsessed with these things. And the librarian there said, "Well, you've come all this way. Like, do you want to just come into the archives?" And I was like, are you serious right now? And so she would let me come every day and because I was a student and I could come and sit with these manuscripts and draw these borders. And I think you can see in my current aesthetics that that's where some of my work comes from. Um, I've always loved native plants. Um, I, when I first moved to Iowa, um, I feel like I didn't quite understand how to look at the natural world. I grew up in Colorado, and I was pretty used to mountains being majesty and wildness, um, and Iowa seemed very flat. <laughs> and <laughs> like I wasn't quite sure what wildness was here. And then um, I started working with a restored prairie and talking to the land managers and the um, biologists who worked there, and realizing the incredible complexity of the natural world that exists in the eight feet of prairie grass that we have here, um, and what happens in the root systems underground, and the incredible good work that all the insect life does here. Um, so I feel really close to that world, and I feel like it's something that's very small and very modest. And some of what I do with my work is take these specimens, take these very small moments, um, and I put them on an overhead projector and make them eight feet tall. And suddenly you can see an incredible amount of information inside of, inside of things um, when, they are, when they are big. And next time you're in the parking lot down, um, down this, at the bottom of this building, look up and see the huge grasshopper wings that are in your window here now. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested in the possibility of being able to install something here at St. Ambrose that really talks about both your herbarium collection, which is amazing. You have this great collection of specimens. Um, and Some of which are over there in the corner. Yeah, and um, your, your insects, um, but also the really amazing action that your students took with the Hayes Courtyard of um, planting a pollinator garden there. And I think that's a really important and brave thing to do right now. I think we have to do the work that we can um, to support the diversity of plant life and to support the diversity of insect life that, that we have. Pollinators do so, so much work on this earth. And I think anything we can do to encourage their habitat is, is the best possible thing. So this exhibition is about process. And this show is really about um, this huge collection of, I think I have a file of 400 and something photographs that I've taken of your specimen collection. Um, this is the size of some of the windows that could be worked on. There's a mock-up here of um, some of the haze windows that have been printed out and drawn on to talk a little bit about scale. Um, and then the glass that you can see from, from outside. Um, and there's a slideshow going here of, of some of my work from both this project and two other projects that I've done in this vein. Um, so, 
Okay, yeah, so does that? Yeah, I so, don't know. Yeah, I, I just started. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> that's a good segue to what this project is. Yeah. So this is a show of Lee Running's process, but it's also a little unusual in that, like you said, you a normal Lee Running show would be like sculptures and whatnot. This one is more of a proposal for what could go at Hayes. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at the Hayes courtyard, um, the glass is going to be replaced soon anyway. So the question is, can we? Actually, the Green Life originally just wanted to do a mural in the in the courtyard, and that ended up not being feasible with uh, the brick and doing something permanent to that brick outdoors. So then I thought, popped in my head, you know, Lee Running and the vinyl, which you can see in the slideshow of some a couple of previous um, examples of her installing vinyl in the, along the same theme. So I contacted her and I said, you know, are you available? Is it possible? We have no idea if there's money. What do you think? <laughs> and she was generous enough to say yes. And we thought, well, if we put it all into the gallery first, we could come up with an idea for what could be. And there is some seed money already. So the question is, can we raise enough money through various resources to then do a permanent install of glass in, in the courtyard? So that's what you see around here is a proposal for the courtyard at Hayes. This sample window has been fabricated already, utilizing the technique that she wants to employ. And then there's also the vinyl here and then on the glass behind the wall. You guys can check out if you'd like to kind of get a sense of what it would look like either as inside the glass or as vinyl applied. And those are two different price points, basically. The glass is the premium version, the super premium version, which would be permanent. And then the vinyl is a semi-permanent version. So. You guys can come in. Are there people yeah, come there? in and also ask in. ask questions. This seems very formal, which is yeah. lovely, but also like yeah, anyone can ask a question anytime. Yeah, so that, that kind of lays out the, the groundwork, and um, uh, you know, a sculpt. Uh, when I first met Lee, she was teaching sculpture, but she's got this whole history of paper making and. Um, in this in the installation work and process. So she covers a lot of bases, but this is a particularly, this project is particularly oriented toward towards design, and designing a space. So that's why I thought the, the 2D class would benefit from it. But Yeah, I think, I mean, I consider myself a site-specific sculptor. Like I really am very, very interested in making work that's connected to place. Like I want, the work that I make to matter to the community that witnesses it, for one thing, but also to make work that really is involved with the place that it is. Um, I think sometimes we have an idea about art in museums that happens from elsewhere, right? And I really believe that there's rigorous and important and specific work that's being made in all parts of the country, um, and that that work is often really deeply researched. Um, and I. I'm the child of a reference librarian. I have a deep, <laughs> deep love of um, of archives and of, um, but I'm also an amateur naturalist. I mean, I think my whole my family always said they could tell when my jeans were in the dryer because there were also rocks. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like I think I'm I'm a natural collector of of um, specimens of of the world, and I think that aesthetic really drives a huge amount of of my work as a maker. So with that being said, does anyone have any questions yeah. off the top? What was the most difficult part of your process? I think it's always narrowing it down. 
Um, the, the plants are so great and they're so diverse. Like the, the, a little bit in, in the write-up that's outside talks about how, you know, they'll look like almost nothing. They'll look like just a little bit of dust and then you put them on a projector or you slip them into an old-fashioned slide projector. Like I sometimes, um, with my own specimens, will slide a little flower like in between two pieces of mylar into a slide projector and blow it up. And I just feel like it's like a microscope. I mean, you suddenly have this, this witness of this thing that's so complex. Um, and I, I have a hard time narrowing it. Um, it's it actually part of, I don't want to say it's a crutch, but part of my interest in working site specifically is that it provides a limit. Like I can't just go forever. Like there's, in this case, there's nine windows, four possible doorways. Like that's kind of the range I've got to work in. And once I can compose inside that space, that's, um, that's the best. But I think the biggest excitement with this project is that it gave me the opportunity to um, meet with a fabricator of um, art glass windows in Oregon to fabricate the glass for this. And being able to tour their factory and see how they work and being able to actually mount um, literal gold metal in between two sheets of glass is like, that's an image I've wanted to see my entire life. Um, and the capacity for that to also reveal a truth of what I have in the studio. Like when I put the insect wing on the projector and project it, I see that shadow silhouette. And you can see on the wall behind that gold, mm -hmm. the shadow silhouette that is the truth of that insect wing. Like, so there's something to me that feels for real about that <laughs> in a way that is, is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, what are your goals moving forward or do you have any inspiration on like further projects? Or? So, yeah, I mean, I'm working on this project right now for St. Ambrose. I'm working on a big project for the Department of Cultural Affairs. Um, I'm having an installation that's going into the Iowa Arts Council. It's right across the street from the state capitol, and I'm using um, a historical blanket from their collection that I've been making scans of, and I've been scanning all the botanicals that were used in a natural dye to make mm. that blanket. So that has been really exciting. Mm. Um, and I'm continuing to work with the deer. Um, I, I've started casting um, tires that I find beside the road. Do you see those alligator tires that are often broken beside <laughs> the road? So I've been taking those and um, trying really hard not to run over them. Um, I've been mating those um, with deer fur. So the edge of the tire that often looks a little bit hairy, I've been making mm. that also in fur and then casting that in glass. So that's... So where people meet nature. Yeah, it's a big it, thing. It yeah. really is that, that collision. And part of what's exciting about this glass for me, the one of the sets of slides that's in the show, is, um, is from an arboretum in Kentucky. Um, I did all three sides of a glass room um, that's in the middle of this arboretum. And um, it's eliminated bird strikes. Mm -hmm. Like birds don't hit their glass anymore because they can see it. And I'm really excited about that possibility with this work, that it not only lets us see something about the natural world, but it also allows birds 
and I don't know about insects. I would love to know about that more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I would love it if it provided a way for the natural world to see us mm -hmm. to help keep them safe. Like there's something really important and beautiful about that for me too. Thank you, that's a great question. Yeah. I do, yep, and it's just my name. It's just leerunning.com. Yeah, and the glass gear will come up as the first the first thing. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the say that again now the bones you clean the bones mm -hmm. and then you you decorate the bones with, with metal. What 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 all goes into that? I've I've done a couple different things. The the project started with me polishing the bones and then carving them into the pattern of marrow that was that's inside the bones. There's this real lacy network inside. Um, and then, did you ever play that game Operation when you were a kid and you had to, yeah, so I would like feed little tiny pieces of gold leaf on a little oh. file through the hole and then gild the inside of the bone with gold. I wanted to put light inside these, inside these bones. And the current project is um, repairing the bones themselves. So I often will find like a shattered leg, you know, half of the leg will be missing the leg bone. And so the piece that's gone, I'll cast it in glass mm -hmm and then heal the bone with the with the glass with the glass so it, yeah. it, it looks different than the bone it's yeah it looks like crystal yeah, it looks yeah. like just a clear mm -hmm. yeah 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 um, so what's your favorite part about the process oh that's such a great question i i really love tracing that sounds really boring, but it's really great. Like, I really love finding the edge of a form, and I think that will never not be interesting to me. Um, it's of, a choice, right? I mean, you have to make choices all the time. It is. Oh, and people always say, like, can't you just, like, do that in Photoshop? And it's like, well, we kind of can. Like, but Photoshop makes terrible choices. Like, if you look at how some of the projections look, um, they have quite complicated edges, and there's so many choices that you have to make inside of it, like which layer, it's, it's like screen printing. You know, you have to find the form and sort of find the shapes out of these archival materials. Um, and the botanical specimens that are over there, you'll see they're just little, like they're, they're t and I don't know, there's something about that, about finding the form that is. Our class right now is experimenting for the first time with transfer paper. So the they got some sterile down there, but and so they probably know a little what you're talking about. They, you know, they, they have a, a face or whatever that they're transferring. They, they, there's just shades there, and you have to make a choice. Where's the line going to be? Yeah. I think that's basically this similar idea, right? Can you talk about the technology, the the technique with the glass? Because it sounds relatively new, but it also sounds kind of exciting. Like you can do 3D design inside the glass. Do you have a sense where it's going from here? I feel like these folks, I'm just going to grab this specimen so I can talk about it. Um, this was the test sheet that they made for me that they sent me home with. Um, so you have phrases and things that are pretty, I mean, obviously don't like go dancing. You can touch it. So it's two layers. So in between these two layers of glass, um, there's a layer of ink that's been put down, and then this thin layer of cut metal, and then the two pieces of glass are put together in a kiln, and they're fused. So they become one thing, one solid thing. But the people that do this are, um, are etchers. 
so they do sandblasting and etching into glass and they can they can stack you know I saw some of the they, they work with so many artists but I saw some of the pieces that they're doing that are like 20 or 30 pieces deep so there can be a figure that's way in the back and then in the foreground there can be you know an image of a building that's printed in between two sheets of glass that have a physical depth to them um, they also do a lot of work with lighting things from underneath, but they'd never done this with the gold before. They'd only had solid pieces. Um, they had one installation that had a square of gold in the middle of it, and I said to the guy, so this is what this is what I want to do, but I want to do something more complicated, and he was like, sure, that'll be no problem, and then he called me, and he was like, do you know how hard that is? <laughs> and I was we like, could do that, we could do it. Yeah, no problem. And yeah, I think um, anyone who's helped me weed this week <laughs> has great empathy for, um, for that process. Yeah. 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 What are you using for the botanical colors? And, and how fast are they once they've been fused? So this um, is completely light fast. Um, they have said, um, the, the company Moonshadow that does this said that they have run um, archival tests on them up to 150 years in direct sunlight. And there's no change in the color. I believe wow. them because they're engineers but um, they and it's all with um, UV you know light being blasted at it but um, there's a bus shelter that's in front of their property um, that they did probably 20 years ago and the red in the leaves it, it's a set of fall leaves on glass um, that are embedded in the same way and it's phenomenal the color really has not faded at all Let's talk about that briefly yeah. because, um, you know, the, if we're thinking about the Hayes Courtyard and walking over to the Hayes and seeing that courtyard, we also see the, the Cadditch-style stained glass that's out, outside the chapel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not Cadditch himself, but it was a reproduction of his style. And that's fully opaque. And what yep. you're proposing here is pretty much transparent. I mean, it's a, it's a new visual barrier of a, of a type, but it's fairly transparent. What, what are your thoughts with that? I mean, I'm what I'm excited about the composition of the space is really allowing a way to foreground the botanicals that are there. You know, I would I would really I would love to work pretty minimally, if at all, with the botanicals with the, the windows at the base, so that that will always be seen, um, and to leave space open at the top so the sky can always be seen too. But I think there's ways to handle the imagery inside the space that might um, both make the courtyard feel special, but also um, make it feel a little bit, I don't know, it's, I know that photo's in black and white, but the courtyard is a little gray. And it might be nice in January <laughs> to have a little color. Um, one of, I did a piece in the governor's office um, a few years ago, a temporary piece, and I did it in, it was, it was up from the middle of January through March, and all the staffers talked about how nice it was to have a little bit of warm light coming into that office in March, and I think we all know that feeling of long-term gray <laughs> that happens in Iowa in the winter. So. And that's some of the great aspects of stained glass that just lets so much color and Completely. vibrancy in. And you can see projected on the wall behind that piece, you know, that the, the 
it will actually tint the light that's coming into the space. And I think there's some real possibility there for, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know that art is always healing, but I think mm. art has the capacity to shift the mood. <laughs> yeah, make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of rosiness that's happening in the winter. We were talking about a, pr a proposed project that was going to happen at a hospital where some of this would be judiciously placed to cover up something that is not maybe more of an eyesore, but then open to reveal things that were already kind of great to begin with. So yeah, and I did a piece at the Grinnell Hospital in a chemo. Um, unit there and I designed it so that um, it was a room that completely overlooked a parking lot it had great light but also was like directly <laughs> overlooking a parking lot and I designed elements for the windows that would keep privacy for the people that were getting infusions but also um, allow some sort of dappled botanical light to be happening all year round knowing that folks would be coming for three to six months at a time, you know? So I think that's, I think it's really an important thing to think about the use of a space um, as well. And I mean, my dream always is that when I used to teach, I always wanted to teach outside as much as possible. And I think if there's any way to make a space appealing <laughs> for people that want to be outdoors and the plantings that have happened in, in Hayes certainly make that happen, but it would be great if the glass would help with that too. Yeah. Uh, do you think you could have stayed in Iowa or do you have any interest in going to another state? I just moved to Nebraska. So I live in Omaha now. Um, which ooh, is like a big, <laughs> wild I'm out, I'm out. I'm out, I'm out. No, but I, um, it's so funny. I live so close to the Missouri um, that I, I live literally two blocks from the river, and there's a pedestrian bridge. So most days I walk my dog to Iowa. So I'm like, I'm still an Iowa artist. I'm committed. Um, but I, I do, I would love at some point in my life to live in the West again. I do love the desert. I, I think that's where my love of bones came from. Um, I, I love a bleached, bleached bone. <laughs> and the desert's a great place to do that. Um, but I also, I just love, I love, love, love to travel. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So when you're doing your sculpt sculptures with the deer carcasses. Yeah. Yeah, um, so at the moment I have, I think I have like 38 skeletons in process. So I'm not in a big collection mode at the moment because that's kind of my You're limit. good. I'm good. Like my, my family has requested that yeah. I not maybe bring any more dead things home. Um, but the, when, when I was in prime collecting mode, I would, I would contact the county sheriff and they would get me a salvage tag. Um, and I had a, a research site at the Restored Prairie um, at the college where, where I worked. And now, I just got back about three weeks ago from a, a artist residency in Oregon. Um, I, did, I was at Pine Meadow Ranch 
Um, and I met a lot of folks in Oregon who suddenly were just like, oh, you know, there's a sheep in my canyon behind my place. Do you want to, <laughs> like, and oh, I also have a, you know, my cousin has a bunch of coyote parts. Do you want them? And so it's like people really started just bringing me stuff. Um, it's the kind of thing, once you say it out loud, things sort of start to, to show up. Um, but I usually, my whole process is really letting the insects do the work. So I will take something to a prairie, lay it under chicken wire, and then a year later come back and, and get it. Yeah, it's about, I mean, heat of summer, like August, pretty quick, like surprisingly quick. But um, the getting the grease out of the bones and, and all that, um, it's a lot of cycles of, I affectionately call it bone laundry. Um, where I soak bones in cycles of um, Dawn dish soap and um, it just it, it degreases them and then um, 48 hour cycles in peroxide at the end to sterilize for sure and that's that's critical um, and at that point they're just calcium I mean there's there's nothing there's nothing there and then I polish them by hand with sandpaper um, which is slow and beautiful like yeah. polished bone I mean I dare any plastic company ever to tell me there's anything as good as that surface. Like polish bone <laughs> polish is, bone. oh, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. You must yeah. be a pretty patient person. You consider yourself yeah. a patient person. I. Your, I, your processes are all I'm very long. So processy. Yeah. I love a process. I don't know that I'm patient, but I'm a process for sure. And I'm really into a. How would you square that? I mean, like, is it the is the goal so you can. You know the goal has to be reached, so you relax into it, or are you not worried about the goal? I mean, how, how does that work? I, do, I mean, don't you feel like there's something about making that, like, that is just in who you are? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I can just identify places in my earliest childhood where, like, I would sit in the yard with, like, a stick and just smooth the inside of a hole. Like that I would dig a hole in the ground and then I would just smooth that surface like hours and hours and hours and like poli like polished rocks were just like the most beautiful surface to me and I would collect I, I have photos of myself like lying face down in the sand like sorting rocks <laughs> into small you know I don't know what that like what it, that's like an unteachable I don't know that it's a quality, but it's an unteachable trait. <laughs> we all tend to have a particular patience, right? I mean, some yeah. of us are impatient for one thing and totally patient for another. So. Yeah. I love doing, too. I love handwork. I love the knowledge that comes through the hand. Like, I think that's, I think that's really specific. I think anyone who embroiders or weaves or, you know, dyes hair. Like there, I don't know, the mm -hmm. braids, like there's knowledge that you have in your hands. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we're getting near the end yeah. here. Does anyone else have a question? Any, any other questions for Lee running? If not, then uh, we're around for a little while. So yeah. folks, uh, hang out, ask your question personally, have some, have some carbs out here before uh, practice. Uh, Eat some carbs. Carbs or some water out yeah. there. Thank you. Stay in touch. Like, yeah. This has been Q&A from the Kadich and Morrissey Galleries at St. Ambrose University. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All rights reserved, 2023.